Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. <sighs> I tried to do a really normal. Did that sound really normal? Like I was trying to do like a very normal one. Your pitch is higher. It was, yeah, but like. Like your the pitch of your voice is higher right now. That's energy. That's like is a that normal. Yeah. Well, but usually when you start Sawbones, I feel like you drop into a lower register. Hello. Yeah, like there. Yeah, you're you right. You do. Yeah, it was a higher register for me. I don't know why. I don't have a preference. I'm observing. Um, I, I don't know if it. I didn't want it to come across like I prefer one or the other. I I like all your voices and all of the pitches and all of your tones. I like all your tones too, Sydney. Uh, <laughs> always have, always will. I think my voice has gotten deeper as I've gotten older, and I'm not sure why. Um, that would be a weird medical question. Yeah, wouldn't it? right. But you have no Sydney. I but, no doctor, but doctor, but doctor, I, I am Sidliachi. <laughs> I could look it up. I do the my singing voice is lower. Um, I'm a I'm a baritone now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I've dropped from alto lower than that. If you can't tell from the loosey goosey nature of this, folks, uh, it's almost candle nights. It's almost the holidays. Uh, this will be our probably our last episode of the year, I believe. And you know, right. Yeah, yeah, because we'll be well, we'll be dark next week, and this oh, will come we? out the day. I mean, you know what I mean. But you know what? There's what? there is still something uh, to bring you joy. What's that? Um, if you are not, it, we will not have an episode out. I mean, this will come out next week, right? That's all confusing. They have no idea when we're recording this. No, the chronology is all loosey goosey. But there will be a week without a sawbones. However, there will still be candle nights available. Yeah, that's true. Bit.ly forward slash candle nights 2022 for just $5 uh, or more, if you would be so kind, because all of the money that we raise goes to Harmony House, a shelter that's very important to Sid and very important to unsheltered people in our community. Um, uh, and it's a great video spectacular, two hours of skits and games and songs and, uh, and learning, perhaps, cooking, healing. What? Perhaps a movie trailer. A short, a short 11 minute <laughs> trailer. Like all great trailers. Like all great trailers. It's 11 for, minutes long. For that movies that definitely exist. Yeah. Real, real movies. But, uh, but the, you can start watching that. Yeah. Saturday. The previous Saturday. The previous this Saturday. Is, this is really putting your noodle <laughs> through the ringer, huh? Yeah. So we're recording this on Friday. Candlelights comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow, the and 17th. And this episode comes out on Tuesday. So uh-huh. Candlelights is already out. You can go watch it right now. For but five yeah, months. please. And anything you can give, it's a huge help. We have, um, as many areas in the country are experiencing unprecedented numbers of people experiencing unsheltered homelessness 
And um, we really need all the help we can get to provide people with the resources for uh, housing and, um, you know, things like food stamps and Medicaid and all the things people need to, you know, live and thrive. That's beautiful, Sydney. Um, so that is, uh, th- that's very exciting, but that's not what we're here to talk about today, Sydney. We're here to cut loose with an incredible episode of Your Medical Questions Answered. Um, the, yes. The challenge at this point has become uh, coming up with names for these, which thankfully our our fabulous re- editor, Rachel, has, has had to take on with me. Uh, but we used all the permutations. I, We've also already used Yes, Virginia. There are weird medical questions. So that even the the holiday theme is is pretty well tapped. And I and I am unhelpful in this effort as my uh, my documents associated with these episodes are titled "Weird Medical Questions" and then the date. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good. That's t- not going to get anybody. A, a click through on that is bad. I do I do appreciate and and we'll go ahead and say. You all send me emails constantly titled Weird Medical Questions so that I always have plenty of questions for these episodes. Thank you. Um, If you do have weird medical questions, please always put that in the subject because it makes it so easy to put these together and answer your questions as often as as we can. Yep. Uh, Here's question number one. I suffer from chronic migraines, and I get prescribed nine— Rizotriptan. Rizotriptan pills per month— to use when I get one. I've been on this for about a decade at this point, and every month I've noticed that the in the days following refilling my prescription, I get a lot of migraines. This means I use half my supply of... You can say Maxalt is the brand name. Maxalt, it'll right ma- away. It'll make the end make sense. Okay. And I have to ration my remaining pills and hope I don't get another flare before I can get another refill. Why am I like this? That's from Gotta Have My Salt in New York. <laughs> um. So I... I can't I can't speak to exactly why your migraines follow that pattern. That would be that'd be let, really interesting if I could. I have to let all of it. <laughs> uh, but I, I think this is a good question to answer and to discuss some of the issues that you're bringing up because this is a common frustration for people who have migraines. When you fill your prescription of um, whatever your kind of your uh, you're having a migraine. It's not a preventive medicine because mm-hmm. there are medicines you can take to try to prevent the frequency of migraines. And then there are medicines you just take when you get a migraine. Um, usually you don't get 30 pills a month. Generally speaking, they give you less. Because you're probably not having a migraine, every, one migraine every day. Yes. And if you are having a migraine, there are a couple reasons around that. If you are having a migraine every day, we need to talk about a medicine to try to prevent that, right? right. We need to talk about not just treatment, but prophylaxis. Um, The other thing is taking any of these medicines every single day can actually cause rebound headaches. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is actually true with Tylenol and ibuprofen. If you take those constantly, especially for headaches, and then you stop them, you'll get rebound headaches, and so you'll take more of them. So it can actually cause problems. Um, So there are reasons for limiting how many you would take. Um, There's also like unhelpful bad reasons like that's just all your insurance company wants to pay for and this is always a a fight with what you know what you need versus what our um american healthcare system will allow you to have um because it's built to make money and not built to help you but that's a whole other issue um there was a a 2015 study that i thought was really interesting it looked at people who have migraines who have these um like you know as needed medicines to take and what they found is that um, medicines like Maxalt, that family, triptans, that family of medicines are, are effective for most people, not all, but most people who have migraines, but that a lot of people don't take them when they have a migraine, mm. even if they have them. 
because they're rationing? They're rationing. That's one of the biggest problems. I'm wondering if you're noticing that you have migraines more and take your pills more right after you get a refill because you're also subconsciously aware that you have your resource that you need. Yeah. And as the month goes on and your supply wanes, you're more aware of the need to ration, which you shouldn't have to do. But a lot of people do ration. And then what happens is if you delay taking it until you're really sure, okay, yes, this is a migraine, I have to take it, they're not as helpful. It's better if you take them as soon as you start to get those symptoms that tell you a migraine is coming, they're more effective. So then you end up, you know, having more migraines. So it's, it's funny, the solution to all this, as we've said so many times on this show, the the fix that, that starts to un-mess up the situation is a drone network that can distribute pills as needed from <laughs> doctors. Is that what you were saying? No, I was going to say single-payer healthcare, okay, but that's just— Okay, that's an interesting idea. Maybe we could fold these two together, <laughs> but I I thought you've always been really big on the drone network to distribute pills no, from doctors. No, no, single-payer healthcare is the thing that's big for me because I, there are reasons why it wouldn't be healthy to take— a migraine treatment medicine every single day. Certainly there's a medical reason here, but there's also a financial incentive well, the, to prevent you from getting all the, the medicine. The drone would decide. that You would yeah. program it to decide hey, if you get your pills or not. You know what, honey? I don't know which would be worse at this point, our current system or a drone who decides. Uh, hello, Sydney. When I was younger and had to have a CT scan, they would make me drink this awful drink, what I can only assume was medicine and Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a, a CT, and as an adult, the technician uh, just gave me contrast through my IV. Do kids still have to drink that stuff? Am I just old and medicine is advanced past bad drinks? Thank you for your help in making my favorite podcast. Best wishes, Kate. Um, this is a great question. It never occurred to me, that, and this is, Justin, you point this out to me a lot. There are things that because I went to school for a very long time just to know these things, I kind of assume, like, everyone knows, yeah. and then uh, why would you? I had to go to school to learn, you know. There's lots of stuff I don't know because I didn't go to school and, like, somebody went to school for, I don't know, farming. They know all about farming. I don't know anything about farming. Right, yeah. Um, anyway. As I have to repeatedly remind you. <laughs> Every time I try to farm. Every time you try to farm. Uh, so we're looking at different things when we use contrast, oral contrast that you drink um, versus contrast that we put in your veins through an IV. We're looking for different structures. We're looking for different. Well, not well, like we know. We're not looking for the structures. We, I mean, we know where they you are. Know, hopefully, hopefully, we know where, where they, they are. are. Generally, sometimes What's we don't. What's this beady red sometimes, thing? There's this big lump right in the middle. <laughs> it seems to be beating. But we're trying to visualize. We're trying to highlight different tissues. Um, we're looking for specific disease processes with different things because uh, sometimes you don't need contrast at all, right? Sometimes we do a CAT scan and you don't need any contrast because what we're looking for is something that you can see without highlighting anything. For instance, if we're worried, if you hit your head and we're worried that you're bleeding inside your brain, we can usually see that without any sort of contrast on a scan. So we just put you in there and look. Um, if we're looking for infection or cancer, we often need contrast. And then if we're trying to look for something happening in your bowels, like let's say we're trying to roll out an appendicitis, it's really helpful for you to drink the contrast. We can also, if you're having trouble drinking contrast, we can administer it rectally. Um, but then we're only getting part of the GI tract. Hmm. But uh, so that, so we're just looking for different things. Sometimes you need one, sometimes you need the other, sometimes you need both. For some, especially if it's in the abdomen, some pathology, you need both kinds of contrast, and some you don't need either. 
So I would say it's just a different kind of scan for a different reason is is why you had to drink it once and get it through the IV another time. Have we done one, an episode on imaging? I think that's, that stuff is so fascinating. I understand it so little. I don't think we have. And it, it is definitely – and it's a whole other – I will say like I understand a lot of these basics and I can look at images and give you a basic idea, but I'm not a radiologist. So that's something that, that I can always learn more about too is exactly why we do what we do. What was the one I had – from on my noodle. You had an MRI. That was the pits. <laughs> that was the pits. Yeah, the MRI is the longer one, the louder one, the one people tend to kind of dread. It's not painful, but you lay but very it still you, it for makes a you long insane. time. <laughs> and it's very loud. And the CT scans are usually quicker. Yeah. Uh, there's a probiotic called Refresh. That's it's spelled R-E-P-H-R-E-S-H, which I enjoy very much for some reason. Refresh. That supposedly prevents yeast infections. Refresh. Does it work? And if so, how does the bacteria get from the stomach to the vagina? By the way, I'd be interested in a whole episode of probiotics if you haven't done one already. We, hey, pro- we probably should. A lot of, yeah, that's a, that's a complex one, man. It is. It is. And it, it's complex depending on what we're talking about probiotics for. Pro- probiotics, the general idea is you put good bacteria in to keep your supply of good bacteria up to help prevent the complications of bad bacteria. Um, and there's, there is truth and value in that concept. Yeah, But like a lot of things in medicine, it has been expanded upon in ways that are Creative, maybe, Creatively expanded uh, upon. That are profit-driven as opposed to evidence-driven. When it comes to Refresh, they have a whole line of products. So I was – I am familiar with um, their Replens Vaginal Moisturizer, which can be helpful for people who are experiencing vaginal dryness. It's an over-the-counter product that you can buy to, you know, help moisturize your vagina. Makes sense. Um, there, but they also have some other products, and the one that we're referencing here is is one with probiotics that are supposed to basically, by replenishing the good bacteria uh, in your vagina, which you, I mean, when you when you swallow a pill with bacteria in it, it will get through all of your GI tract and can populate and grow and eventually make its way to other places. So, like, there's not – it's not totally unreasonable, although it is going into your GI tract. Uh, There is no – the FDA has not evaluated any of these statements, and there is no evidence – there is no, like, solid scientific evidence that tells me that this will prevent or treat – certainly, it wouldn't treat – or prevent a yeast infection. Um, They also sell products aimed at reducing odor – there's an odor-eliminating vaginal gel. That's always a giant red flag for me when people are selling products that are telling you how to clean or improve upon a vagina. Um, because there's a lot of uh, – we've done a whole episode on this. There's a lot of, like, shame involved with what someone's vagina looks like, smells like, whatever. And so there's a whole industry that profits off that shame. It should look and smell like this, and here's a bunch of stuff we want you to do to it. It's a self-cleaning organ. It doesn't need a lot of stuff done to it. Um, I looked through the – if you can go to their website and look at their various clinical studies. They they link you to clinical studies on their vaginal odor and vaginal pH products, on their um, fertility-friendly lubricant, on their replens gel, on their probiotics. They have all these studies – they're all incredibly small. They are none of them are powered to really tell us for sure that this is superior to other products we use. There are ways to treat things like bacterial vaginosis if that is a cause of odor or discharge. There are ways 
to treat and prevent yeast infections that aren't these, and nobody needs to change the odor of their vagina simply to change the odor of their vagina. If there's a pathological process, please seek help from a healthcare provider. Um, but I, I, I mean, that's with a lot of these products. It's not FDA approved, and they tell you it's not meant to, to treat <laughs> any condition, but yet they'll tell you it's good for a condition. Sydney, what's the deal with period syncing? I once Googled it, and Google said it wasn't real, but I and many people know I know have experienced it firsthand. So what's going on? Um, I, I couldn't remember if we'd ever mentioned this before, um, but just in case. So period syncing is the idea that if people who have periods spend enough time together, their periods will fall in line. They'll sync up. You'll have them at the same time. Um, this is not... And sometimes there is even like this concept that there's one like alpha period haver who everybody syncs up with. Um, there is no proof that this happens. It was originally called the McClintock effect. Um, there is no proof that this happens. It was originally called the McClintock effect. Uh, there was a researcher named Martha McClintock who studied 135 college uh, women who lived in a dorm together and, and thought that she noticed this synchronization of the periods. Um, more recent studies have said we do, we do not see any <laughs> evidence that that is. Why would that happen? Um, we don't have evidence that it happens. There was a huge study that Oxford did because uh, now we do have period tracking apps. So it's a lot easier for us to study this stuff, right? It was just asking people like, when was your period? Now you put it in an app. And so we can just compare data. So it's a lot easier to do. And we don't see any any reason why that would happen. The theories behind it initially were things about the moon, your periods are linked to the moon, and so everybody lives together in their moon cycles and their period cycles. That's nothing. Um, and then then there's all this, like, well, does it have to do with pheromones? Are you sending out pheromones that trigger other people's periods? No. 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 I'd say that if you uh, – I'd say it's the a common – it's a bias of uh, you're just noticing it. It's an error of um, – what am I trying to say? It's a um, – you notice it. You know the bias I'm talking about. <laughs> That uh, recency bias? It's a uh, there's another word for it. It's you're just noticing it. It's 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 confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. Yes. There it is. Hey. You thought that might happen. You and your roommate, your period happens at the same time and you go, "Look, it happened and I'm noticing it because I read that that might happen." Whereas all the other times in your life where your periods haven't synced up with somebody that you've been in close proximity to with, you didn't notice. All right. Let's uh let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is gonna make it easier. Then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the Easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business 
or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Hi, everyone. I'm Anna McLeod. And I'm Alexis B. Preston. And we host a show called Comfort Creatures, the show for every animal lover, be it a creature of scales, six legs, fur, feathers, or fiction. Comfort Creatures is a show for people who prefer their friends to have paws instead of hands. Unless they are raccoon hands, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, yeah. Yes. Every Thursday, we will be talking to guests about their pets, learning about pets in history, art, and even fiction. Plus, we'll discover differences between pet ownership across the pond. It's going to be a hoot on Maximum Fun. My cardiologist works at a teaching hospital, and every year when I go in for my checkup, she'll bring in at least two or three students and residents and have them sit in on an appointment and listen to my heart. I have a very prominent murmur, so she likes to use me as a teaching tool. Uh, man, uh, that, that's that got to be a mixed bag of emotions right there. Like, yes, uh, I do have a very prominent murmur. It is scientifically noticeable. It is it is worthwhile. It is worth studying. Uh I'm never sure quite how to interact with them. How much or how little am I supposed to talk to them? Is there anything I can do that's helpful for them as students? I've had 20 years of these appointments, and I still haven't figured this out. Oh, Nora, that's that's rough. I just want to— Around year 15, like, okay, Nora, okay, come on, you can do this. Just be normal. Just say normal things while they investigate your murmur. Listen, Nora, I I feel that pain, not necessarily for the same reason, but whenever I have to make a phone call— I made a phone call the other day. 
I had to tell Justin about it. I was so awkward. Yeah. I, did, I just don't know. What do people Which, say? Oh, what was it? Oh, we were buying a... Um... I was trying to inquire about a <laughs> gift card from a from a bit local business. And I said, hello, <laughs> my name is Sydney. Very normal start. I would like to purchase a gift card uh, for the upcoming holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that once already, and it still slays me. <laughs> God, this, is I, get... this is my opener. <laughs> you think she's so well-spoken <laughs> on the podcast, but you put her in literally any other environment. What was the last time you called to order dinner somewhere, Sid? I don't and do that. Maybe I don't do, it. do that. I mean, it's been years. I years. don't know why. I have, like, it's because I don't have a persona for that. I got my doctor persona for doctor stuff. For the campaign, I had a campaign persona. I just don't, I, what's the what's the calling and inquiring about gift card persona? That's I don't when have I, that. That's when I use a fursona. I get into my suit, and then I feel more confident because I'm a cool fox that needs some pizza. Hey, listen, I will try it if it will make it easier for me to make phone calls. Anyway, um, first of all, Nora, thank you for letting all these students and residents listen to your heart. I appreciate you doing that, really, because... Um, as someone who was once a student and resident, it is essential that we hear not only as many um, typical heartbeats, but as many, you know, murmurs and things we don't normally find as possible so that someday when we hear them for the first time, we can say, oh, I know what that is. I've heard this before. Um, so you so they're are— So like, Nora's is kind of like a e- like a um, easy mode murmur, right? Like you can't miss this one. Somebody already told you it was there. Yeah. And, but it's like very prominent. So it's like, this is yeah. easy to find, right? They actually have, um, we rate murmurs on a scale of one to six as to how prominent they are. Um, and they say anything three, three out of six and above is the med student murmur, meaning even a med student can hear this. Oh, wow. This is no offense to you med students. They called, they told me that when I was a med student. Um, they get harder to hear uh, as they get quieter. And anyway, Thank you for doing that because it really is essential. You're not just helping all those students and residents. Every patient they interact with for the rest of their careers is being helped by you allowing that to happen. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Um, The main thing is I would say having been in this position as a learner, I really appreciated a patient who said um, like – yeah, I don't mind or seemed open or just okay with it. Not even like, yes, I'm excited about this, but like, yeah, that's okay. You can listen to my heart. That was enough. Um, If you want to tell us anything about what that's like, whatever this condition is that we're learning from, if you want to tell us your perception, your experience, like, do you notice it? Do you feel it? Do you hear that? Do you, whatever. I mean, not necessarily a murmur, but you know, Um, any information you want to give us is only going to help us. Um, And a lot of the times as a student, especially if you're working with, you know, an attending, you're not going to feel like you have a lot of room to ask questions directly to the patient. You're going to wait. And and if the doctor tells you, like, you can ask a question, you might, but generally you're not going to feel like you can. And so if you as the patient are like, hey, let me tell you about this or let me teach you something about that, that is like a giant weight off our shoulders because, oh, you're just going to tell, I don't have to ask a question or upset my preceptor. Um, Any information you want to share is only helpful. You're never going to, like, start telling us stuff and it will be like, why did we know? That will always be helpful. Well, unless it's about, like, boats, you know. Or sports, like there's lots of things that aren't help that wouldn't be helpful, right? Well, I don't know. I think that the most, I think that learning the physical exam and practicing on other humans is obviously essential to learning medicine. But just as essential is learning how to sit down and talk and connect with someone, so that when you're the only one in the room, you can make people feel um, like they have trust in you and confidence in you and like you care about them, like learning how to convey all of that and build that relationship. 
I would say is more important in many ways than. Do you feel like I do that as a person? Yes. So I'm like halfway to being a doctor. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So could I do two years instead? Could I just bang it out? Just do the science and bang it out? (laughs) No, you couldn't. But thank you, Nora. Hi, Sydney and Justin. I have a weird medical question. A friend of mine reposted the image attached to this email. And a bunch of folks, including me, commented that we do the same thing. Seriously, what gives with this? Sydney, what this is our second visual reference. It was it was somebody tweeting about how they rub their uh, legs and feet together like a cricket before they go to sleep. That was universal. Doesn't everybody do that? Um, a lot of people. I okay. don't know if every single person, but it's incredibly common. I hadn't even considered that that would be, yeah, I thought. Why do you think you do it? I don't have a solid answer to this. I have a what? lot of theories. I've, I've, I've read. There are a lot of theories. Why do you think you do it? Um, uh, I've always, like, from the time I was little, I always use, like, muscle tensioning and relaxing to help me fall asleep. It's something like dad taught me. And I think his dad taught him or whatever. But uh, I think I find that like that relaxes the mu- like rub- it's kind of like a a, a crappy massage <laughs> like rubbing the the leg with the foot is like you know stimulating blood flow and relaxing the muscles. I don't know. I think a lot of theories have to do with the comfort it provides the skin to skin contact mm-hmm. and it's mimicking skin to skin contact from another human to rub your feet and legs together. Mm-hmm. You're getting that sensation on your feet and legs. So it is incredibly common. There are other than if only like we didn't sleep in separate wings of the, <laughs> of the estates. <laughs> there, I read this really interesting article. We from, sleep in this in the same. We, we sleep, sleep in the same bed. bed. <laughs> <laughs> I from, just don't like to be touched. <laughs> no, Justin does not like to be touched when he sleeps. Um, for I read this interesting Psychology Today article that was talking about like the link between our feet and legs and our limbic system, sort of our innate like um, subconscious response to things or to signal things. You can tell in feet, and they talked about, like, if you're in a hurry to go somewhere, you might notice that your feet are already pointed in the direction of the door. Huh. Like, all these sort of subconscious things. And so, like, I don't know. I don't know how all that plays into rubbing your feet together when you go to bed. Um, But there are, like, these general kind of innate comfort things it's triggering, probably in most of us. There's some specific things, I would say, like, some people for stemming. This is their version of stemming. Um, And then there are things like restless leg syndrome, or periodic limb movement disorder. Yeah, I've struggled with that a little bit. You have that. Okay. I don't I don't know if you know you have that, but I know it because well, because I've told you and because and you're awake watching TikTok. I well, I sleep with you and I I you're you move your legs at night. Um if it if if this is combined with disrupted sleep, if you're not feeling well rested, if you have a lot of sleep disturbances, I would talk to your provider about this mm-hmm. because it could be one of those other things I mentioned, but for most of us, it's just a normal comforting, self-stimulating kind of behavior. Hi there, Sydney and Justin. I have a bad habit of picking at the skin around my fingernails, and I've noticed that when they bleed, my first instinct is always to suck the blood. As an adult, I've been able to fight back this urge and instead clean and bandage properly, but I know I'm not the only one whose first instinct is to suck the blood rather than compress or clean the area. What the heck is that? Love the show. That's from Bleeding in Boston. I thought this was helpful to discuss um, bleeding in Boston because I also pick the skin around my fingernails, my cuticles, until they bleed frequently, um, which is not – I'm not endorsing this. This is not me saying no – no So, kidding. like, it is time for the cuticle pickers of the world to rise together and declare it – no, it's not It's not a good habit. Um, I also – Gosh. That's that special oil. You use your special oil. 
on my cuticles. I do. But then when I'm nervous, I pick at them, especially, and I don't know, I'd some of you, I saw in a dermatologic textbook once it called uh, habit tick deformity, which is I pick sp- specifically at my thumbnail cuticles with like my forefinger and second finger. I'll do that all the time when I'm nervous. Um, and then my thumb cuticles look terrible like they do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd I'm not s- agreeing with that. I can't see them very well. None of none of this is very good. You can pick at the skin around your nails, and obviously they can bleed, but they can also get infected. Yeah, and that can be really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's. I feel like I should record you saying this and play it back for you later. Plus, it's not like great socially or in my line of work to have blood on your fingernails or open wounds on your fingers is not great either um, for a variety of reasons. So. Um, I, but I would say that the the sucking the blood thing, because I have done that before um, when I am out somewhere and like, uh-oh, I took it too far. Uh-oh, it's bleeding. Because what are your options in that moment? If you can't leave the room you're in to go get like a tissue or something to stop the bleeding or a Band-Aid, you're either going to try to wipe it on your clothing or you're going to no, it's stick it in your mouth. It's, it's a closed system. Your body knows what it needs. No, it's not a closed system. Well, it's. Have, the, I think it is a convenience. <laughs> I think it's a way of trying to like stop the bleeding and rid your finger of the bleeding without anyone around you noticing, right? Because you don't want to tell anybody you just picked your cuticle no, until it bled because they're going to look at you like you look at me when I do that and go, why did you do that? I would say that's what it is. Um, but you shouldn't do I it, and I shouldn't either. We I shouldn't do it. We shouldn't knowing, do it. Knowing that that's blood, and it goes inside the body. Let's no, put it back in the just, body. You don't want to wipe it on your pants because then you got blood on your pants. Same thing with everybody's like up in arms about picking your nose. You have a hole that is finger shaped, and there's bugs up there. We were made made for this. It drives me crazy. We were made for this. I'm not saying just like blow you know, your I, nose. Endure- you shouldn't. Don't stick things up your nose. I'm just saying don't we were made things for up this. Your nose. I do the blowing the nose. I'm just don't saying. Stick them in your ear I'm or your nose. Baha, I'm a sheep. The, I blow my nose. Read the next. We got I two be more. It. We got two more. Read the Hi, next Dr. question. Hi, Dr. Sydney and Justin. Lately, I've been drinking this vitamin C supplement that claims to provide 1,330% of my daily vitamin C intake. Why is that good for me? Should we stop there? Because <laughs> do, I think Do you want to take this one? Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, bud. It's me, Justin McElroy. I'm not a doctor, but. Why would you take a thousand percent of of anything that is made up? They clearly, they clearly, this is this is thirteen times more than you need. That's not good. That seems too much. Well, and it's also our, you're going to pee all of it out. Our, that's there you go. So the I think our our dear listener was more worried about is this dangerous. I'm saying I wouldn't trust a company that's like here. This is a thousand percent of what you need. You I wouldn't don't. take this off. So so um, we've done an episode on vitamin C before, which uh, where we outlined some of the roots of this, there are people out there who, without any scientific evidence, will claim that you we should be taking massive doses of vitamin C for a variety of health reasons. There's not evidence for that. Um, if you take too much vitamin C, you pee it out. You have very expensive pee. That's, that's it. And not very, I say very expensive. That's always the joke. I, most of the time, vitamin C isn't very expensive. But you are, you, your pee now costs more. It's not dangerous per se, but it's unnecessary. There are vitamins you can take too much of. Mm. Do you know what they are? K. K is one. <sighs> I'll tell you if you want. It's a the D E A and K. D E A and K. That's I don't know why I remember Deek, but D E A and K are the ones that are fat soluble, so you can store them, so you can take too much of them. So you don't want to take a ton of D E A and K. Um, you should talk to your provider if you're worried about those things. See if you take too much, you just don't need it. You're gonna pee it out. My three-year-old has an extra ridge in one of her ears. If her ear was a maze, she'd have a locked room where most people have a corridor. 
I asked a pediatrician about it, and he told me that it was not harmful. It was the result of a cell line that's supposed to die off during fetal development, but didn't like webbed fingers. Um, can you tell me about fetal cell lines that didn't die? Any details about the extra ridge and error in particular? It's proven impossible to Google. Thank you. Unusual oral anomaly in Utah. Um, I just think this is a really interesting thing to talk about because embryology is fascinating and really hard and was one of the most difficult parts <laughs> of medical school for me. Uh, the formation of the human fetus is, I mean, is quite a thing um, and difficult to remember all the stuff that happens because things form and then sort of unform. There are lots of temporary structures and forms in the developing human that are not there in the final product. Does that make sense? Yeah. Part of that, I think this like is— scaffolding. Yeah. Um, there, a lot of this is due to something called apoptosis. It looks like apoptosis. Um, and it is that's a kind of programmed cell death. And basically, the idea is there are structures that form, and then they're going to need to fuse with other structures. So the edges of those structures have, like, they've, they're pre-programmed for those cells to die off so that everything can fuse together and form something new. Sometimes we'll see remnants of these embryological structures in a developed human. Sometimes they cause no problems. They're just there. It's interesting. You still have that little remnant of something that you had when you were in the when you were a developing fetus and should have gone away but stuck around and caused mm -hmm. no problem. Sometimes we have things like certain heart uh, congenital malformations that can cause problems if they didn't close off like they were supposed to. Um, but generally speaking, that's what's going on here. There were some cells that were pre-programmed to die and persisted nonetheless <laughs> and, st and stuck around. And generally speaking, a lot of these things aren't harmful. They're just interesting differences in the vast array of humanity. And uh, we celebrate all of you interesting differences in the vast area of humanity for listening to our program again. Uh, remember, it's still time to go watch Candlelights, bit.ly forward slash Candlelights 2022. All proceeds go into Harmony House on that. Uh, we've got some, also, if you're listening to this in December, um, or whenever you're listening to it, really, you can go to McElroyMerch.com and 10% of merch sales this month go to Harmony House. So those are two different ways you can support us, support Harmony House, and uh, just be a great friend. Speaking of great friends, thanks to the taxpayers for use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you for listening. Very much appreciate it. That's going to do it for us for this week. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.